Welcome to another episode of Junior Achievement of South Florida's Recipe for Success. Just as there are no two recipes that contain the exact same ingredients or measurements, there are no two success stories exactly the same. Recipe for Success features entrepreneurs, visionary leaders, and innovators of all ages who will share the ingredients that make them successful. Here's your host, Lori Salarulo, President and CEO of Junior Achievement of South Florida. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Jay's Recipe for Success. I'm your host, Lori Salarulo, and I'm the proud CEO and President of Junior Achievement of South Florida. You know, the reason we started this series of podcasts and videos was so that we could hear the stories and a little more about the journeys of some of the leaders and entrepreneurs in our community. Uh, it's so important to hear the ingredients. It's how we all learn from each other's, from each other's stories. It's what inspires us. And of course, we serve 50,000 students. So we want them to hear the stories uh, of all of you and your journeys. And so today's guest is someone that I have known for many years here in the community, someone that I have grown to admire, uh, who inspires me to be better, uh, and also just that I just love him and his family. So I want to welcome today's guest, the president of Broward College, President Gregory Hale. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Lori. Great to see you. Thank you so much for having me here. You too. And thanks for making the time. I know that right now you are one busy guy uh, and that everybody is really trying to figure out, right, this new world that we're living in. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the issues that our world are facing are not new. Some are. Um, and so how do we navigate that? And I know you and I will talk a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, but I want our, our audience to first get to know a little bit about Greg Hale. And so if you would, would you share with me some insight, maybe a, a pivotal moment or two along the journey uh, that you have um, navigated? Just share with us a little bit about who you are. Yeah, sure. Um, again, thank you very much for having me, Lori, and uh, the opportunity to spend time with you is always a pleasure. So thank you. Um, so just a very little bit about me. Uh, I uh, grew up in uh, Queens, New York, and uh, went there uh, through high school and uh, eventually went off to college at Arizona State University. Um, and I'll dig a little bit into that. I think it's actually somewhat uh, pertinent to the question about the pivotal moments. Um, and then I went to Columbia uh, for law school and then eventually moved to, to South Florida back in 2002. Uh, when I think about uh, pivotal moments uh, of my professional journey, um, you know, I, I really think about uh, two really important realizations. Um, one, when I was graduating from high school, and I don't mind sharing with you and your audience, Laurie, that... Um, I didn't go to one of the best high schools uh, out there. Unfortunately, my the school I went to had a lot of challenges um, laden with metal detectors. And the truth is academic success wasn't the primary priority um, for, for our students. Uh, to put it mildly, the priority was making sure that uh, we were able to endure the day and get home safely. And so I think about those challenges uh, a lot in terms of what students from certain neighborhoods might be feeling, what students from certain high schools might be feeling, the trepidation they may have when it comes to going to college. And when I arrived at college, I was one of those students who was a first generation college student and was really learning from scratch what it meant to be a college student and frankly, even more fundamentally, what it meant to be a quality student, what it meant to have rigorous studying habits, uh, what it meant to engage with people um, in an open uh, manner. 
Uh, and so, you know, between that experience and going to college and then eventually moving to South Florida to become a corporate litigator, uh, when I moved to South Florida, I engaged in a lot of different endeavors uh, in the community. And I remember talking to a friend and colleague and I said, uh, we had a very engaging discussion um, that he may have led more than I did, but just thinking if we could do, if I could do one thing, what would that be? And I really thought about the reality that uh, my education, both high school and post-secondary, probably together created the most transformative elements uh, of my life. And when I thought about the one thing I would probably want to focus on, it would be that one thing that was most transformative, and that was post-secondary education. And, uh, and I'm truncating the story significantly, but um, it did lead me to eventually uh, joining Broward College back in 2011. Yeah, I, I do remember that. Um, and I forgot that we had Queens, New York in common. Um, That's right. That That's right. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, I think our personal experiences so often shape, right, uh, our journey. Uh, I, yeah. I think for sure. I know it did for me, um, especially on a personal note. But uh, so that post-secondary education for you was transformative um, uh, in your life and, and led you down the path. So what, what difference can you make as president of Broward College, right? Or what difference or what strategies, what approaches can you bring to that, right? And, and, and really make sure that our young people have the opportunities to, yeah. to have that pivotal moment like you did. Sure. Well, I'll tell you, um, first of all, it's important to recognize that Broward College has a tremendous history of success. Um, some know and some don't know, but, uh, you know, we've been around for 60 years, celebrating our 60 year anniversary this year. We have approximately 5,000 employees who work uh, throughout the evenings, early mornings, and they do everything they can to make a difference in the lives of our students and the lives of our community. And those folks, many of whom have been there long before I arrived, but certainly that tradition has been here long before I arrived at the institution. There is a culture of focus and excellence on every student at this institution and on the community. But what we always know is there's an opportunity to get better, to strengthen who we are. Um, in fact, just recently we were ranked in the top 10 by the Aspen Institute among well over a thousand colleges in America. That announcement came out uh, just last week. And we uh, are very excited about that. But what it really continues to be is a tribute to our focus on getting better every single day. How do we get better than we were yesterday? And recognizing that our ability to get better is very correlated with our ability to serve our students in a better way. And so we continue to focus on that. And, and we think about what getting better looks like. It's part of the recognition is that despite the affordability of Broward College, which is approximately $85 per credit, despite the fact that we're an open access institution, which means that if you have a high school diploma, you can enroll at Broward College. Despite those key elements, there are still many people who don't see Broward College or any college for that matter as an option, despite their ability, despite their intellect, despite their will, and even their wherewithal in terms of there is something better out there for them. They don't necessarily know that college is that opportunity. And a lot of that means you just have to get engaged in communities. You have to have proximity with communities so that they understand that opportunity exists. And I'll tell you a quick story, Lori. I probably have shared this with you before, but perhaps with your audience. 
I learned about college in a very fortuitous way. Uh, I was going to a school in a very different neighborhood than mine, um, than the one I grew up with. And, uh, and it was 1989 when I was graduating from the sixth grade. And this was a more affluent neighborhood uh, than, uh, than I certainly had grown up in. And I was graduating from elementary school and I said to a classmate, isn't this amazing? We're the last class of the decade. And he says to me, no, we're going to be the last class of the millennium because we're going to graduate college in 1999. And that was the first time I'd heard the word college. And here you think about the chasm that exists when you have one student who's hearing about college for the first time in a sixth grade from another student who is also in the sixth grade and knows exactly what year he's going to graduate. Has nothing to do with our capacity, ability, but exposure. Perhaps his dinner table conversations were different than mine. Perhaps his parents went to college and so it was routinized part of their discussion habits to go to college, but that wasn't part of mine. And so when I think about the communities that are throughout Broward County, um, those that frankly are just not achieving nearly the success of others, uh, how do we engage those? So part of the strategy, and I'm happy to dive into this further, but part of the strategy, strategy is to actually go into those communities, into the heart of our most challenged communities. And we call this in the form of Broward Up, recognizing that every community has unlimited potential and making sure that we are engaged. So no individual has to have the fortuitous opportunity of hearing about college, but so that it is impossible for them not to be engaged in the opportunity or conversation around college. Yeah, listen, you know, I, and I don't know if you even know this, um, so I grew up as the daughter of the Dean of Students for Community College in New York City, uh, Kingsborough. And so when I was 12, I was going on outward bound trips with my dad uh, to Washington and with young students. Um, and so being out in the community, right, and, and being with these young people, sharing experiences, taking them, we would go to Washington, D.C. We would go to universities for field trips kind of, things and experiences to expose them, as you said, to those conversations and those experiences that they might not be having. And I remember that was probably my first experience in community work and I fell in love with it. Um, and they embraced me and I embraced them. And so it was, it was someplace that I felt very comfortable. Um, but I think to your point of being out in the community and getting to our young people, you know, our career bound program is focused on low income, low scoring high schools in, in Broward County. And so last year we served five high schools, next the coming year we'll serve eight. And there's 30, there's cohorts of 30 students from each school. And it's a 10 month long program where each month those students are learning about different industries and career paths. Well, part of that is the education that goes along with that. So if you wanna work in the marine industry, here are some of the ways that you can achieve that and go into that career because you need this certification or this degree. If you want to teach, here's some. Here's the education. And so tying all those pieces together has been eye-opening for these students. So I agree with you. And by the way, they have no idea the plethora of career opportunities that are even available to them, right? Yeah. And then how to navigate them. So we're very, very proud of that, uh, that program has been core and it continues to grow. And then of course, putting them into jobs uh, during the summer, um, JA I'm proud to say is the only organization actually putting high school students in jobs this summer 
uh, and we'll be using our facility as a remote uh, workspace. So uh, I absolutely, you know me, uh, you are preaching to the choir Mm -hmm. when you talk about that. And so we're so proud to be in some of the communities that you're talking about, uh, that you're working in with Broward Up. Um, And there are some pieces to Broward Up that I don't know that the community is even aware of. You shared one with me recently about providing free education to those those that those demographics and those that population so that they can take uh, advantage of that opportunity. Talk a little about some some of the things you're doing with yeah. these with these communities. So I think most fundamental um, is when you when you start to explore the data around this discussion, and what the data tells us is that. Um, that opportunity, unfortunately, is very closely tied to income. And let me tell you what I mean by that. If you were to take 50, look 50 years ago, you would see that the bottom quartile of income earners had about 6% of their kids going on to and graduating from college. And the top quartile of income earners had about 40% of their kids going on to and graduating from college. If you fast forward to about today, Uh, you would see that the top quartile has gone from 40% of their kids going to college to about 77% of their kids going to college, a dramatic increase, of course. And then you look at the bottom quartile over the last 50 years, the bottom quartile has gone from 66% of their kids going to college and graduating to about 9%, um, which which is fundamentally inertia at the bottom. And at the top, you see tremendous growth as you'd like to see. And so as we continue to have uh, discussions around the income gap and the wealth gap, you have to make sure that those discussions are coupled with discussions around the opportunity and higher education gap. And we know, we all know, I know, again, you are the choir here, but um, we all need to remember that post-secondary attainment is so strongly correlated with so many positive attributes of life, whether it be financial health, whether it be mortality rates whether it be incarceration rates, the tie-in between those two is nearly inextricable. And so as I think about the importance of going into these communities, the importance is not merely education, but recognizing that post-secondary education is a lever to so many life-enhancing factors that we need to be considerate of. And so when we get to the infrastructure of what we're doing, what we started with was we're going to identify the zip codes that have the lowest attainment rate that means they're after high school, essentially, they're not attaining any credential or degree beyond high school. And then also with the highest unemployment rates. Now, of course, those two go hand in hand. The lower the attainment rate, the higher the unemployment rate. We decided to focus on six zip codes. And, and when I say we're going into those communities, it's important to remember, it's not about going in and then bouncing out. We are making a home in those communities, not by ourselves as well. We're partnering with organizations like the Urban League and the Boys and Girls Club and numerous other organizations who are leveraging their space for us to use so we can provide post-secondary education in those communities. We're working with municipalities that have also, who know their uh, constituents better than we do, have said, we want you to be in our space. And so in just under two years, we've actually added 15 new locations where Broward College is providing education in the heart of the most challenged communities. Now, you talked about the online programs, of course, in light of COVID-19 and the devastation that that's created, we wanted to make sure that we could continue to perpetuate these opportunities. So we've shifted those programs to online and remote opportunities. And fundamentally, maybe the biggest barrier that we're 
relieving our audience of is the cost barrier. So all of our Broward Up programming is free to students. That means that this idea that they can't afford, uh, afford it, no matter whether it's incorrect or not, we've essentially eliminated that concern. And that's been a huge part of the success that we've seen. And perhaps the greatest indicator of that success is in the short time, relatively short time we've been doing this, we've had well over a thousand residents of Broward County uh, engage in our programming. And it's been, it's been wonderful to see, to see Blossom. Well, that is, that's, that's something to brag about uh, for sure. Uh, right up there with, you know, the uh, honor of the Aspen Institute. I mean, these are the things that our community needs to hear about, right? The successes, we hear so much about the challenges, but I think it's so important to celebrate what you're doing. And, you know, it's interesting. I was listening to a, a video this weekend uh, with Denzel Washington, and he was talking about getting into the homes, mm -hmm. right? That we can solve some of the other problems that we are having by getting into the homes. And to me, I kind of look at that more broadly, getting into the homes and into the communities, right? right? And creating these homes, right? It might not be their living room or their kitchen, but it's a home within their community, right. right? Where we can provide this education and this support and this opportunity. And so I, I just want to say congratulations and you should yeah. celebrate. No, thank you very much. I mean, look, we're, we're early on. I, I very much appreciate that. And, and we think that there's, there's so much more work we can do in this spot. But to the point that you raise around the proximity piece and, and being in homes, um, you know, one of the realities as well is we have to be, get comfortable with that kind of engagement. You know, when I first uh, became president just shy of, I guess it was uh, just shy of two years ago now, uh, I remember going to some of our most challenged neighborhoods and literally knocking on doors just to let folks know that I was a new president of Broward College and I'd love for you to, to, to think about going to Broward College. And the, one of the reasons the proximity is so important is because there's a myth-busting component to this work too. Um, I think we touched on it a little bit earlier, but part of the reality is there are folks who don't realize that the capacity is there in very concrete ways. I remember knocking on a door and talking to a gentleman and I said, I'd, I'd love for you to think about going to Broward College to tell your neighbors, to tell your children. And he says, I can't go to Broward College because all I know how to do is fix motors. And this is great to your point uh, earlier, Lori, is that he doesn't realize that even that skill is something that could be leveraged into a greater life, whether it be our automotive programs or our aviation maintenance or mechanic programs, all these things that are frankly white, right within his wheelhouse and he doesn't even know it. Um, I talked to another gentleman who says, I can't go to college because I've been to jail before. And this is, again, part of the myth-busting component. No, of course he can go to college and make a great success of his life. But if there is a myth being perpetuated and he believes it, then you can't even get to the next step of enrollment and conversations. And that, again, myth-busting doesn't happen without the important engagement that you and I are describing. Yeah. And you know what? That's one of the reasons why I think I love this show. And, and listen, I don't care if 500 people see it or 5,000 people. It's that many more people who get to hear the story. And we get to, right, to bust those myths and put that information out there because the more people that hear it, the more people that will say, no, that's not true, right? Um, this is really an opportunity for you. So that's one of the reasons why I love this is getting these messages out there. You know, as we talk, um, this is always about the recipe for success in the end, as well as sharing uh, some of the challenges as well as the successes going on in our community. And I hear you that we do 
have a lot more work to do in so many areas. Um, but I know I'm always focused on that. Oh no, but, but we have to do more and we have to do more. I'm trying to learn to celebrate the successes. Yes. When you tell me that a thousand more of our citizens are engaging in education and taking this opportunity, wow, I really just want to stop for a moment, like yeah. I said, and say congratulations. And yes, we have more work to do, but good for them and great for you. So for all that work. But the other part of the show is also learning from leaders like you about what it is that makes you successful? What makes a leader in your vision, in your mind successful? Because we can give them the opportunity for education, but we also need to inspire them to be great leaders or great employees or great business owners, right? And entrepreneurs. And so you mentioned some things that I just want to share. And I think you talked about them from the, the perspective of the college, but I think they probably also apply to you. And you talked about a culture of focus and excellence. I think if I've come to learn anything about you, it is that you are completely focused on excellence, on making a difference. And so I, I have to believe that that's a core ingredient for you. You talked about the opportunity to get better. I think I know that and I've watched you always looking to get better individually, professionally, personally, as a dad, as a, as a president, uh, as a lawyer, all of those things, um, serving others. Right. Yeah. I know I have watched you do that. Um, share some other ingredients that you think have helped you to be successful in in serving uh, as a lawyer in the legal profession, as well as preparing you for this huge role that you're in. Right. You are an amazing influencer. So what prepared you? What other ingredients would you share with us? Yeah, I I appreciate the very kind sentiments that you shared, Lori. Um, I I would suggest um, I'll say two things um, for purposes of this discussion. I think one is um, is the recognition um, one that nothing can be accomplished, nothing of great value, nothing of great import can be accomplished by one person, um, and the recognition of that. Um, I have been blessed with a career laden with folks who have helped me, and I continue to be blessed with a career laden with folks who have helped me. And um, and being conscious of that, I think, is incredibly important. As I mentioned earlier, we have five. There is literally nothing I could do by myself at this institution. We have 5,000 employees who have decided that yes, we can still get better. Um, when you think about the example I've shared with Robert Up, uh, they've decided that yes, we could do more to attract those who think that the opportunity doesn't exist. They've decided that. And had they not decided that, um, I would not be sharing the success that we've had thus far. Um, so that is incredibly important to me. Um, and I And I think, I'll, I'll combine two other pieces, and that is uh, the willingness to be uh, vulnerable and uh, the willingness to recognize the importance of empathy. Um, we are in the midst of one of the most uh, challenging confluence of challenges than we've probably at least seen in my lifetime. Um, you know, we think about the pandemic. 
Um, we think about the uh, economic challenges that we're seeing right now. And then of course, we're in uh, the midst of civic unrest um, like many of us, have, of us haven't seen. And that means that um, we're gonna expect people to do great work, but there's also, we have to respect the realities of the environment that people are in and the stress that people might be going through. And certainly as a leader, we need to be conscious of that and be empathetic to that. Um, and even if it means sharing some of our own vulnerabilities around that, um, because we are all human and we all, especially in a space where part of our job is to exert ourselves on behalf of other, others for the betterment of others, um, i.e. our students in our community. And so um, recognizing that our work is all collective, recognizing the import of empathy and vulnerability, particularly at a time when we're seeing uh, the challenges that we're seeing. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and those are absolutely uh, essential ingredients, right? I know we're, we're all using that word essential these days, but it, it kind of fits uh, with, with what you're sharing. Uh, and I think you're so right. And, you know, I think people are struggling today and, I, and I'm being really vulnerable and authentic. I think sometimes we struggle with what is the right thing to say, right? How do I best talk to my friends about this? How do I best deal with my team members, right? And make sure that we are being inclusive and diverse. As the mother of a child with a disability, as the mother of a daughter with, who is of the LGBT population, it's different. I get that, right? But I'm looking for empathy for them, right? And so I, I don't know what you as a person of color goes through, but I do know discrimination from a different perspective. And I think if we can come to those, but I, but I never know sometimes, you know, what is the right thing to say? How much should I share? Um, and uh, don't ever want anybody to think that, um, my situation or another situation is equally as important or more important or less important for that matter. So I think you're right. Having empathy and being able to listen right right now is important, but also being able to guide, right? We need people to guide us. I, I, and that's what I'm looking for right now is how I'm looking for guidance for me of how do I guide my people, my yeah. team through this. Uh, because I don't know all the answers. Um, and I love that about you too. No, I think, and, and it's a great point. Even even what you just said is, is encapsulated in vulnerability, right? You have to be vulnerable to say, I can learn more about these things, right? Or I need guidance. And of course, we all do in some respect, there's no doubt about that. Um, but, but that is how we get better um, by self-exploration as well as the willingness to let third parties in and provide us with the opportunity to learn and grow as professionals and as leaders. Yeah, so important. So I always ask everyone at the end, what is, so you've mentioned some amazing ingredients um, that it's obvious uh, why you have achieved the success that you have achieved and why you continue to grow as a leader uh, and, and as a man and as a father and all of those things. But what is the main ingredient to Greg Hale's success? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> Everybody hates this question. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, there's so many things, um, you know. Uh, 
if I really had to say the, the main ingredient, it, it, it really comes back to um, uh, the support of so many that I've received. I mean, and it comes in so many different ways. Again, I, I can't I can't tell you that um, I've accomplished anything of import by myself. I just can't tell you that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I will I will I will uh, uh, share with our students the importance of working incredibly hard every single day. Uh, I will talk to them about the willingness uh, not to be denied despite the fact that others may have thoughts of your capacity, that your capacity is defined by you. Um, I think about uh, the importance of focusing on the things that you can control uh, and not being distracted by the things that are beyond your control. Um, all those are important parts, but I don't think any of them work um, without help from others and the willingness to be able to ask for that. You know, I even think about, you know, when I was a student uh, in college and I was trying to figure out how to be a good student, eventually I had to go to my advisor or my faculty member, or actually I remember, I actually went to, I haven't told this story in a long time. I actually remember going to a, another student who was, um, he had a 4.0, I think he had a 4.0 his whole life, you know, and, uh, and he certainly did that in college, went on to get his PhD. But I remember asking him, how is it that you're such a good student? I actually asked that question of him because I was trying to figure out, I didn't have study habits that I would be proud of, and I didn't really know how to be deliberate about being an academic success. And he knew uh, how to do that. And his willingness to share with me, and perhaps primarily my willingness to ask, right? His help inspired me, it motivated me. Um, and so when I think about success, I think about the people that come with it. Yes, all the work has to be there, but there are people that come with it. And, uh, and that's really a critical part, I think, of anyone's journey to success. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, I can say this much, my friends, you inspire me and you motivate me um, not only to want to be better, but also to want to do more. Yeah. right in, in our community um and and fight the fight and make sure as a parent i have always felt this way right we need to make sure that not only our own children but every child and young person has the opportunity to do what you and i get to do which is what we love right and so helping them find their passion helping them find their why and then getting the tools giving them the tools and the resources Right. And the opportunities that they not only need, but deserve, right, is what drives us. And so you inspire me. And I thank you for that. And thank you so much for sharing so much of you today and so much of your story uh, and what makes you successful. And I know that you will continue to to grow and learn uh, because that's just the amazing person that you are. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Laura. You listen, you are an amazing leader and amazing partner. And I, I thank you for you and giving me the opportunity to share with you. Yeah. And, and yes, I didn't even mention that, but we are, we are <laughs> partners. We sit on your land. That's right. No, no. And we are great partners. 
have not been to the North Broward campus, to JA World, uh, we are fortunate that Broward College provided that land to build that learning center, which is such an amazing resource to our community. And so thank you for that and for your ongoing partnership. Greg, thank you so much uh, for being with us. Thank you to all of you out there who are watching uh, and uh, let's get cooking. All right. <laughs> Take care. Yeah.